Welcome to the College Football Bros. Time for one last coach's episode. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who has dropped Scott Frost from his top 20. Yeah, that's me, Ryan Newman. (laughs) And by the other brother who has seen the light with Lincoln Riley. (laughs) That is true. That's me, Trey Newman. All right. Today's episode is going to be our finale of our head coach rankings. So last week, of course, we ranked uh, the head coaches in each of the Power Five conferences. This week, we're going to put them all together and uh, just rank the top 10 coaches regardless of conference. And we'll also give our consensus top five group of five head coaches. That was hard. Uh, but the that, G5 was... We'll get to that. That was insanely hard. Yeah. Uh, but first, we've got uh, five-star reviews. So, Ryan, why don't you get us started there? All righty. I'm ready this time. We got uh, Longhorns fan 98. Uh, College Football Bros is the best sports podcast in the world. Have a wonderful day slash night, Michael, Trey, Ryan, and Sarah. Hook them horns. All right. Thank you very much. The next one is from Valhalla24. Very enjoyable. I also love the games they play. He had a question, or, or she had a question for us. What is a matchup you would most want to see in the playoff? And they listed some examples, Texas versus Texas A&M, Miami, Notre Dame, Florida, Florida State. So, uh, Michael, what do, you, what do you think? Well, I think this person took some of the good ones, so I'm just yeah. going to steal one. I'm going to take Texas against Texas A&M because, of course, they don't play anymore, so it would be a huge deal if they met up in a playoff. And the other positive aspect of them not playing anymore is it would, would not be a rematch. So, yeah. True. I'll go with that. I went with something. I want to see some new new playoff team in there. So I want USC uh, versus Notre Dame. So they're rivals. Yeah. Um, but that'd be cool to see. I want to I want to get USC in there for you, Mike. I appreciate that. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah, Texas Texas A and M is probably the the best one. Just because Michael, exactly what you said, it wouldn't be like if if Alabama and Auburn played, we would have just seen that weeks before. Right. I mean, it'd be great, but we would have just seen that. Um, another one I thought like Notre Dame and Michigan aren't playing each other every year anymore. Um, that, that series is kind of intermittent. And then nostalgia wise, Nebraska, Oklahoma, <laughs> that would just be, I mean, it's far fetched for Nebraska to get there, but just in terms of seeing that in the playoff, that would be cool because it's old rivals. Yeah. Old folks would like that for yep. sure. <laughs> yeah. And us, I guess maybe we're old compared to a lot of the listeners. True. Uh, okay. Last review came from M cone three said, very good podcast. Just discovered you guys last summer. Breakdowns and information are good. Not just of power five schools, but of the G five schools as well. Very straightforward. And I definitely look forward to listening each week. Keep it up. So awesome. Thanks. Thanks for all those reviews. Really appreciate that. Uh, but let's move on to a, a brief recap of the listeners feedback from last week's episodes. We, of course, had some strong disagreements, mostly from SEC fans. Unsurprisingly, that was the most popular yeah. kind of passionate response. Mostly Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas fans definitely chimed in a lot. Of course, we had... Um, I mean, they were dead last in our... In Sam Pittman yeah, was dead we last. Had, but my brain is, is, Sam is dying right now. Who? Um, Sam Pittman. 
Oh, they're really going to hate me now. <laughs> yes, I've been <laughs> I've, I've been reading tweets about Sam Pittman for the last week, and somehow his name just escaped me. But uh, but no, there's there's reasons to be excited about him, so I, I can get why they were so passionate. But anyway, we have a top five list here of the top five meanest tweets we received in response to our head coach rankings. So let's see. I'm I'm, I'm we're adding live drops to this YouTube uh, experience now, so I'll see if this works out. Bear with us. Number five, we have Matt. He tweeted us his thoughts along with the hashtag very I'm surprised it didn't catch on. Hashtag don't agree with absurd list. Mm. Mm. So I thought that would spread like fire. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I wonder I wonder what uh, team he supported. I don't recall. I yeah. don't recall. Might have been Arkansas. Might have been. Yeah. Safe bet. Now uh the next one, number four, Gage said. LMAO, laugh my ass off. Y'all really drew names out of a hat, huh? <laughs> I mean, honestly, in some of these, some of these conferences, like in those buckets, you could technically draw yeah. a name out of a yeah. hat. But we, we definitely, we put our, our heads in, together and and tried to make the best we could. I like that one because it's it's funny. Like if you're gonna be mean to us, make it funny, and and then that's you know I'm okay with it. Yeah, I like the people that just tweet like. Like the the laughing face or the LOL, as if like when they're trying to make an argument or something like a rebuttal to a certain ranking or whatever. It's like you think that makes your argument stronger just because you're going LOL. Like, just it wow. actually just makes your argument less strong because you don't really believe it. So you just got to add a little fake sarcasm in there. <laughs> but you're not mad. No, I'm not mad at all. No, just <laughs> thinking about this every day here for the last week. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go on to uh, the third one here. Uh, a Buckeyes fan account tweeted, "Holy hell! Don't quit your day job." That's that's not nice. I'm not planning on it, but no, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, number two, we starting to get real good here. Wait, a Buckeye so, fan. What's well, we up? Had day. We had oh, day. Like we had third, day. Third. Oh, yeah, I oh. put him high. You put him yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, number two is from John J O N. He said, "Quote stupidest poll I've seen." And then he tweeted at us again, uh, including the phrase, quote, you are garbage. <laughs> so did you see what amazing. squad he was? Uh, I believe Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Arkansas fans. A lot of you were friendly. A lot of the Arkansas yeah, fans, no, I don't want to just were. say, a lot of them were friendly. A lot of people were saying to disagree, but I can understand why he's last, you know? Right. And finally, from John, J-O-H-N, John. Whoever made this list can blow it out their ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was an easy I just, one there. It's funny with a lot of these rankings, like, they, our rankings weren't that ludicrous. It's not like we had, like, oh. Ryan Day 10th or something. Or, right, I mean, it's right. just people love, love lists and, uh, and, and they're the people that make them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Or maybe we just did a really bad job. Who knows? It's, it's possible. Maybe we suck. But uh, but no, that I those tweets were pretty funny. Uh, but most of you, most of the listeners, viewers, we really do appreciate your feedback because the vast majority was positive and just even if you disagreed, that's why we put it out there. We yeah. want to hear what people think. So appreciate that. So after hearing from all the the listeners and from talking with each other about it, what is one ranking that you would change that you kind of regret from from your list last week? I thought of, I thought about the Arkansas one and. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, I mean, I think obviously Sam Pittman hasn't been a coach, head coach before, or even a coordinator, but 
does have a good staff around him. And I, just the fact that, okay, Derek Mason, I mean, I could yeah, 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 Derek Mason. Be him. Yeah. You know, so like, okay, maybe I could have bumped him up over him, but, you know, he was, that was maybe one that was like, okay, I could reconsider that even. Maybe the maybe the Arkansas fans have gotten to me, but yeah. All right, for me, you try? for me, the the toughest position in almost all the conferences was number two, uh, and so particularly the Big Twelve and SEC. For the SEC, I went with Dan Mullen. I've I've just always I kind of put him there just because I've always been so bullish. You know, really, if I really think about it, maybe I I could have put Kirby Smart there just because he has had instant success and obviously he's recruiting like gangbusters and then in the big 12 i love matt campbell maybe a little aggressive there i mean i don't regret it but it might have been aggressive so instead of matt campbell maybe like a I it, you know like I, mike you, gundy that's, or that's the thing it's kind of a who's who you got gundy you got herman gary patterson, patterson yeah yeah those you're right and those two conferences number two was tough i think i mean i think your choices were reasonable uh my biggest change would be it was from the very first episode, the ACC. I had Mac Brown fifth. Mm. And, you know, I guess I should just kind of give in to the fact that they, he's got things rolling in North Carolina. The recruiting is insane on the field. Year one was obviously promising. So I'm just going to vault him to number two. Why not? I, I, I had him behind Satterfield, Fuente, and uh, Bronco Mendenhall. But if I'm an AD right now and age isn't a factor, then... I'm probably rolling the dice on the upside of of Brown over those guys. So uh, you know he he's at least got a handful of years. He's not going to take the job and just retire two years later. So yeah, yeah. I I forget where I had Mac, but I I think it was in my top three. Yeah, you might have been third. You were definitely higher than us. And yeah. uh, I think you were right. I think you were right after hearing from everybody. Um. Okay. Let's uh let's move on to ranking the the top ten coaches in the country. And we'll actually start, though, by um, looking at last year's list. So, uh-oh, let's, uh, let's just go through this one by one. Number 10, we had Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. And number nine, Scott Oof. Frost. Oy. What, what the hell happened, guys? Why? I, Trey, I, we know what happened. I'm, so, I'm yeah, sorry, Trey. Yeah. I'm going to have to throw you under the bus here. But you really screwed us over with this one, Trey. I was uh, <laughs> overly optimistic, and I, I'm I'm the farthest from a homer on this podcast. But I was just buying the year two kind of. He was no one can discount the fact that he was still obviously his UCF days had some weight here. Oh, yeah. um, but none of us also envisioned uh, the on field lack of success last year. Oh, I'm so. not even. I'm not even. You went a different way with that. I'm not even blaming you for where you put Scott Frost too much because I think Ryan and I were pretty similar there. We were all. Lincoln Riley high. behind like, Frost. Yeah, was was you had Lincoln oh. Riley? You had Lincoln Riley nineteenth last year. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Which yeah, just, that was my that was I was just driving home the point that he inherited so much. But I yeah, I'm starting to now after another year, I'm starting to give him more credit. But yeah, okay, obviously when you look at it that way, of course, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's okay. But uh, but you also made us look stupid right now, so it's not You're okay. welcome. Um. But I did. I wanted to see with with Scott Frost um, where maybe a non Nebraska fan was uh, last year, just to just to kind of compare. And so I looked at Athlon's top one thirty because Stephen Lassen, I think, does that list. He's super smart, uh, you know, college football writer, and he had Frost nineteenth, which is lower than us, but yeah. not like a crazy amount. So yeah, I, people were still obviously pretty positive on Frost going into last year, and. 
I'm least, surprised it was kind of that low, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were some lists that had him higher than that. There were some that had him higher. Yeah, because the second I mean, Florida half. wanted to hire him. Year one, of course, in Nebraska, it ended well. So people were, yeah, like you said, Trey, expecting big things uh, this past season. And obviously that didn't pan out. I mean, he had good credit to him. He's kind of proven more right on it, I guess. It, very. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. We, we don't look great right now, guys. No. Uh, but number eight, uh, as you can see, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, is James Franklin. Number seven, Jim Harbaugh. Six, Kirby Smart. Tied for fourth, we had Jimbo Fisher and Dan Mullen. Number three, Chris Peterson, who of course won't be on this list because he has stepped down. Uh, number two, Dabo Sweeney, and number one, Nick Saban. Hmm. I mean, the rest I of mean, that list looks fine. Even. Yeah, nine. I mean, really. I wouldn't change a thing right now except for the the frost and then obviously Peterson's gone so just bump up Lincoln Riley some more notches but I mean nothing's I'd, ridiculous there. Yeah, I'd bump Kirby up to 3. Well, let's let's not let's not give away what we're about to rank, guys. Oh. Yeah, yeah good point. <laughs> Cuz we're about to do. This was 2019 list. Let's well, hopefully do I'm our, do that in my real list this time. <laughs> let's do our 2020 list. <laughs> so, uh Ryan, who is number 10? On our list. And by the way, we created this list by, you've probably figured it out by now, but the three of us each made our own. We actually made top 20s, and then we kind of just combined, averaged those lists together. All right. Number 10, we got uh, national champion Ed Orgeron. Um, I was the highest on him. I had him seventh, uh, which I feel is more appropriate. Michael had him at 12th. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm uh I'm questioning that one for sure, Michael. I mean, he's forty and nine. I had kind of said this at their SEC episode, but forty and nine in at LSU, twenty three and seven in the SEC. A national title that's got to count for something. Mm-hmm. Only what? There's only five active coaches that have a national title right now. Uh, I don't know what it's what what happened. What, what's going on? Well, I, I will say, I mean, I put him 12th, like you said. That's pretty dang high. I mean, there's 130 coaches. I have him amongst some pretty pretty darn good coaches. Um, but here's my case for why I had him outside the top 10. So I have some uh, some different stats than I had from, from last week's episode. So Les Miles, at the end of his tenure, you know, was, was hanging on by a thread, of course, we all know, because the play on the field wasn't, it wasn't acceptable to, to LSU fans. So here's Les Miles last three full seasons uh, according to sp plus so they were 15th 14th and 13th and that that put him on the hot seat okay well the first two full seasons under coach o lsu finished 19th and 14th in sp plus about the same as as les miles previous three years now so obviously at that point you know you you're feeling fine it's not like les miles was a bad coach uh at the end there but it wasn't quite up to up to par for LSU so but yeah year three was last year and Ed Orgeron goes 15 and 0 they have one of the best seasons ever so I did bump him up massively for that I put mm-hmm. him up to the 12th best coach in the country honestly I'm even a little uncomfortable putting him that high but I did it so so there you have it um, but now I just want to see without yeah. Joe Burrow without Dave Aranda Joe Brady can he keep having great seasons or are we going to look at 2019 as as the the kind of outlier that's why well, I kind of hedged and didn't put him top 10. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have, you have uh, Kirby Smart much, much higher. And yeah, Eddie O's got a better winning percentage at LSU than Smart does at Georgia. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you if I I kind of always throw away Kirby's first year at Georgia and then just yeah. go from there, but uh but that's that's fair. No, that is true, but again, it's all kind of concentrated in one year of overperformance whereas like every yeah. year from Kirby Smart is arguably, you know, Georgia's best year in 10-15 years. So right. I guess it's just right. the consistency with Smart even though um Eddie yeah. I just wasn't going to be better one year. I just wasn't going to be swayed totally um, by recency bias, obviously it counts. I'm not saying it doesn't, but um, in terms of pure coaching, I just wasn't ready to put him higher. Just because last last week I made a point. It's like they just lost 14 guys to the NFL. That's why they were really good. But like I just need to see him prove it again to get them back into not to win the national title in record fashion, but just to like be kind of playoff relevant again. I right. if he can do that, then I'll definitely boost him. Yep. All right. Uh, I need a little uh, recess. I forgot my notes on my other computer. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Ryan, we, you're excused, Ryan. Nice flex, too. My other computer. Yeah, multiple yeah. computers. Wow. All mm-hmm. right. Well, what an operation we got going here. Trey, you and I can can carry the load here. So, number nine, we have Jim Harbaugh. So, Trey, you and I were, were both the highest. We had him eighth. Ryan, only slightly lower at tenth. So, we're all feeling pretty good about him i have two things to say about jim harbaugh and i'm long-winded so don't worry ryan he could he could drive to you know best buy and buy a new computer with everything i have to say about harbaugh but the first thing is there are only eight power five programs that have more wins than michigan since harbaugh took over and when you factor in that he took over a struggling michigan team um so he wasn't starting with the, the the greatest starting point and that they always have a really tough schedule then I mean, finishing behind all those teams, which basically are most of the coaches ahead of them, it's not so bad. All right, so that's one thing. The other, this is a nice, this is a nice stat that I that I got here. Not really a stat, but Ryan, Ryan is back, so Ryan can I'm here. hear me now. Yep. Okay, so why I like Jim Harbaugh? Often people say, "Oh, he hasn't even won his division. How can you have him in your top ten? He hasn't even won his division." Well, first off, I guess my first response to that would be. He's in the same division as Ohio State, who is just having a otherworldly run. So I I don't really blame him too much. But second of all, he's actually two plays away from winning two of the past four Big Ten East titles. So in 2016, if JT Barrett, of course, we've talked about this a lot, if he's marked a foot back, then Michigan wins the Big Ten East, maybe goes to the playoff. All right. Also in 2018, if Maryland converts a two-point conversion against Ohio State, Michigan wins the Big Ten East. So the fact that he's even been that close to these great Ohio State teams to, you know, to almost winning two of the past four Big Ten East titles, I'm I'm okay with it. The thing that bothers me about uh Harbaugh is like I, I love Harbaugh, but what I'm talking about is that the the critics out there, I feel that his narrative is driven by the media that he's not great just because he can't beat Ohio State. Like and and fans like kind of just grasp onto that and say, oh, that's true. Well, it's not. But let, the, like you just laid out, Michael, like they were desperately close to doing so. And 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 the other point you made is that he instantly made Michigan respectable. And I do agree that maybe okay, he needs to get over the hump to validate the ranking. But if you were asking me today who I'd want to have as a coach in my program, like Harbaugh's on my short list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean I'm a big Harbaugh fan too. I. I had him a little bit lower than you guys, not crazy amount, but I guess the, 
I'll play a little bit of the devil's advocate on this one and say why sure. I have him a little lower. It's been there five years. He's finished in the top 10 just once and it was 10th. So, you know, a handful, more than a handful of coaches have been able to accomplish at least more than that. One in four in bowl games. In the last some couple bowl games, he's been beaten pretty good. I haven't beaten Ohio State, of course. I know he's been close, but hasn't beat him. Um, and some of the last few games have not been close. So it seems like the trend's going in the wrong direction there. And there's just, so that's it really. But there's just some good coaches in front of him. I mean, he, you know, I had him, what, 11th yeah. or 10th? But it's, uh, you know, he's got to break through. Yeah, he is more. slowly falling down the list a bit mm-hmm. every year, even even for me. So, yeah, I hear you. Okay. Next, we have at number eight, Ryan Day. And Ryan, you uh, you can keep your, or no, you can quit your day job, I think, yeah. according to the Ohio State fans, because you were the highest. You had him number three. Yeah. Why, why so high already? Okay. Well, anytime you take over a team led by Urban Meyer and you immediately make them better, I mean, I, you're a darn good coach. I mean, Urban's about one of the best coaches ever, and Ryan Day made this Ohio State team better. But not only did he make them better on the field, he's improving the recruiting. I mean, they're number one for next year and have a real realistic chance to finish number one. So better on the field performance, better recruiting performance. We kind of had this like debate with Lincoln Riley, I feel like, a couple years ago and even last year. It's like, well, you know, Lincoln did a, such a good job taking over a very, very good situation as Ryan Day has. Look where we have Lincoln Riley now. People were maybe just a little afraid to admit that these guys are really good coach. Like, uh, just because he has only one or two years of experience. I don't know. I think we'll look at back on this like a couple of years from now and be like, yeah, Ryan Day, of course. How did we have him 12th or 8th or whatever it was? I think he's going to be a top five for sure candidate in a year or two. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, go ahead, I, Michael. I can't really, I don't really have a good argument, Trey. If you have something better, I mean, I had him 10th, you had him 9th, Trey. Still pretty high. My whole case is just, it's just been one year. I, I just want to see more. It's, it's right. He he did all he could in one year. So that's why he's, he's cracked the top 10 uh, as, uh, with only a year of experience. But I just want to see it thing for is, a couple like, more. By default, the Ohio State coach is pretty much going to be in the top 10 just because they've turned into such a recruiting juggernaut, you know, the last decade plus. And he could easily, and I, I predict he'll probably be in the top five in, in a couple more years just based on what they're doing. But like you said, Mike, I just kind of want to see it. I need the 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 proof on the paper just in front of me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Moving on to number seven on the list. And it is Trey's boy, James Franklin. He loves James Franklin. Uh, why did he uh, fall or why did he land seventh here? So he's he's obviously done great things at Penn State, multiple New Year's Six games, won the Big Ten one season. He's recruited well. He, he really turned Penn State around. And, you know, then the other kind of intangibles, I love his, his passion, his enthusiasm. He's just a great overall coach. Now, if I did have a concern, and I'm the biggest Franklin guy, is that maybe he's plateaued a little bit and the rapid improvement has stopped. So it's kind of, is he going to take that next a little bit bigger step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about Ryan. the only thing holding him back is just punching through completely. I mean, he's made them as good as you can get. And six or seven for him spot, right, is about as high as he's ever going to get unless he can make a playoff and do damage there. I mean, he won a Big Ten, but, it you know, and he was way able to beat Ohio State. And he's won, you know, Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl. Um, 
But unless been, he in, or yeah. did I get he those wrong? In the Rose Bowl, he, he oh, won yeah, the he lost the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Sam USC. How'd I forget? Yes, uh, but yeah, he's got to make a playoff uh, to 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 get higher on this list. This is about his cap. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I think his obviously his stint at Vanderbilt is yeah kind of what bumps him ahead of uh, the couple guys he is ahead of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Next up, we have number six, Jimbo Fisher. And Trey and I were the highest. We had him fifth and sixth. Ryan, you're a bit lower at ninth. I just, yeah. I think I'll, I'll skip past the FSU because obviously that was a great tenure, one bad year. Okay, he's not perfect. But then he goes to A&M and he also made them immediately a lot better. I think the mistake people make is just looking at the win-loss record rather than how much better the team actually is. So totally. previous three years under Kevin Sumlin, I'll use Massey Peabody, a nice um, ranking that uh, I like to use. So they finished 24th, 30th, and 35th. Okay, last three years of someone. Year one under Jimbo, they jumped to 13th. And then year two, 15th. So that's a pretty darn good start, especially considering they're bringing just about everybody back this year, that his top five recruiting classes are starting to make up more and more of the roster. I think I think everything's looking good. Yeah, I I, I mean, I have ninth, uh, which is, but we're like, we're really splitting hairs here, man. Yeah, it's just like Trey's comment earlier. You can almost drop him in the bucket at this point and just like, yeah, this he's good. He, I can totally see an argument and I have no problem with, you know, somebody putting him fifth or sixth. But just because, you know, of the bad ending at Florida State, there is a blemish on his Ross on his resume at this point. And I, I know it's he's had some good teams at A&M and he's immediately made them better, but he hasn't broken through there yet. So. I mean, that's why I dropped him below guys like, sure. you know, in the I top just, eight. I totally agree with what Michael, you first said is that people are so swayed by purely by wins and losses. I know at the end of the day, that's kind of what matters, but he didn't inherit much from A&M. They've also had the insanely difficult schedules yeah, in the Clemson, SEC. Clemson in the non-conference. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like, you know, he wasn't just walking into uh, to the easiest of situations and like, Right now, I'm just pretty dang confident that a and going to be a relevant player in the coming years. Might not be this specific year. I mean, they definitely could. But like just with the recruiting and then the way he's progressed um, with A&M so far, I just I'm very confident that A&M will be relevant here in the short term. Yep. I 100% agree. We are to the top five now. And another guy that that Trey loves here in Dan <laughs> Mullen. I mean, we all love Mullen. What's what's not to like? Trey, you had him fourth, and uh, Ryan was the lowest at eighth. So make your cases there. Well, I'll just my I'll say we all know I've been bullish on Mullen. He had great success in Starkville at Mississippi State. He's won two New Year's Six games in both of his years at Florida. And Ryan, you had a good point. Uh, on Twitter, I believe you you had it where in the eight prior years or in the eight years prior to Mullen at Mississippi State, they won more than four four games just one time. Yeah, he he won five his first year and then went to a bowl game, so he did better than four every year for the next eight years. Like it's amazing what he did at Mississippi State, and and then you look at this upcoming year, like Florida's going to be probably preseason top ten. You know, he's he's done well with the quarterbacks he's had who aren't all that great. I I just would be so encouraged being and a he's Florida recruiting fan. better than I think people maybe have anticipated when they got him. 
Yeah, so, remember yeah. that first class he had, or at at one point it was very. Florida fans were kind of freaking out because yeah, early in the cycle it wasn't going well, but it's picked up for sure. Yeah, it's they're doing very very well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I have him eighth, which I guess is lower than you guys, and especially lower than you, Trey. Yeah. It's just every coach in front of him has at least made one playoff for in my rankings, at least, um, except for James Franklin. I ha- I had Franklin above. Uh, Mullen. He was the only guy that hadn't made a playoff in front of him. But I just I gave the edge to Franklin just because of what he did at Vandy. I mean, I think Vandy was even harder than what Dan Mullen did at in Starkville. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's Vandy. Come on. Guys. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and I think pretty much the same thing goes for Penn State and Florida. I think Florida is easier to win than Penn State is. So, and Franklin has essentially done what Mullen's done at Penn State. You know, in Florida, Mullen's done in Florida. So it's splitting hairs, but that's just why I have him, uh, Franklin, a little ahead of Mullen at this point. But Mullen's done great. And I think he's he's going to climb. I, I think he's going to make a playoff at, at Florida. It's just a matter of time. Okay. Number four on our list of top 10 head coaches. Who is it, Ryan? We got Lincoln Riley. Yep. I mean, this is, uh, he's proven himself, you know. Three times now, I think we can safely put him as a top five head coach. A couple of Heisman winners, couple, uh, Big 12 champs every year he's been there, uh, playoff each of the three years. The only negative you can really point to for his head coaching experience so far is just the defense and how he kind of, how horrible that side of the ball has been. But you kind of almost don't blame him just because of the holdover of Stoops. Um, you know, so he's trying to, I don't know, maybe be loyal a little bit to the, his his former boss, but he finally is like, okay, enough is enough. Brought in a proven coach and Alex Grinch. So that side of the ball got better this past year. I, I mean, the last game put a sour taste in your mouth, but they did get better. And I'm sure they're going to continue to get better on that side of the ball. So it's just obvious that he's he's done a great job. And how can you not? He's made three straight playoffs. He's got to be a top five coach. Yeah. The other thing with um, when we talk about, oh, he inherited such a great program, because I think they they were... They had two straight top five finishes, you know, the year before he became head coach, but he was a big part of that. That so, so he, cause he was the offensive coordinator, of course, and took that offense to a whole different level. So it might not be fair in the case of Lincoln Riley to, uh, to denigrate him for, you know, kind of what he created. Yeah. And that's why I finally have really come around on him is mainly because of he has, he's the architect of that offense and it's, it's just so damn good. Like it's yeah. unbelievable. He he just finds ways and playmakers to to make it great. So that means number three, you can probably guess because you know who the top two are. Number three is Kirby Smart. We all had him third or fourth on our list. There's not really much bad to say. He had that one transition year we talked about where he went eight and five. Okay, I think that's fine. Since then, 2017, he's a play away from the national title. 2018 goes 11 and one and kind of loses a heartbreaker in the SEC title to a historically good Tua led Alabama. And then 2019, 11 and one again in the regular season, which is amazing, and lost in the SEC title to one of the all time great LSU teams. So, I mean, it's pretty dang good. And recruiting is number one every other yep. year, it seems like. What's not to like? A couple coaching yeah. calls. Sure. That's it. That's the only thing yeah. you can point to because, I mean, everything else has been phenomenal. So, I, yep, three, he's 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 going to be 
uh, one of those. He's going to join the top tier eventually. Yeah, the top two guys. Just, I mean, and you can also see like his fingerprints have I think elevated Georgia from like they were really good, always really good under Mark Rick, but you can tell like he's taken them to the next step, and now he's just got to finally break through in a national title. But but I mean, oh my gosh, they're the way they're recruiting. There there's no reason they they might they won't do it in the short term. You would think. Yeah. Okay. So number two, little bit of drama here because you never know, but it is Dabo Sweeney. And so this means Nick Saban is number one. Were you guys, did you waffle on that decision? Did you have to think about it? How did it go? I thought about it for a second. You know, I mean, if you just take the past five years, they're pretty much the same, you know, neck and neck. It's, there's really no difference there. They've each won a couple and, if I think they both have maybe just lost five games in the last five years. So it's, uh, it's one, a one B, but I mean, <sighs> Saban's finished in the top 10, 12 straight years at Alabama. And it's just an uncanny amount of success that he's had. So, and six national titles, one at LSU, but you know, that's the, that's the edge that he has. He has the edge of time over Dabo, but at this point, Dabo, will, if, if Dabo goes and wins another one, this just coming year, then I might, I might yeah. put on this list one A one B or yeah. Uh, yeah I th- I thought about it too but it's just that Saban's not showing any signs of slowing down yet like it's not like they're still recruiting at a high level they're going to the playoff practically every other year um or winning it every other year like if there was signs of him starting to kind of slip then I would have but yeah. he just hasn't yet yeah because last year obviously they didn't make it but uh had two not gotten hurt they yeah likely would have made it yeah maybe. Uh, so, so yeah, I also went Saban number one, just because of what Ryan said, we've just seen him do it for a longer period of time and at different stops along the way. That's always a positive. So, uh, but you can't go wrong here. So that means, and I will say like Dabo has kind of elevated the, the Clemson recruiting to that next step. They were always like really good, but recently they kind of, they're now at the elite elite level. That's true. And if you're trying to make an argument for Dabo number one, Alabama they have they have one of the best histories in college football, you know, in college football, if not the best. Clemson, they've never had a run anywhere close to this. So I guess solely the job he's done there, you could argue sure. is more impressive than than Saban. Yep. That's true. Okay. Well, for the YouTube viewers, we will show you number one, Nick Saban, his beautiful face. Um, and then so let's let's show the whole top ten list there just for everyone on YouTube to, to see. By the way, we are almost at 100 subscribers in our short YouTube career. So All right, keep it up. Not bad. Yeah, if, if, you, if you're listening and haven't subscribed, we encourage you to do so. Uh, so honorable mentions to the list, though. Gus Malzahn, Brian Kelly, Kyle Whittingham, Mario Cristobal, Matt Campbell, Mike Gundy, Tom Herman, Kirk Ferentz, Lane Kiffin, Dave Clawson, only five more to go. Mac Brown, Gary Patterson, PJ Fleck, Mike Leach, and David Shaw. So those were kind of the rest of the guys, I guess, that were considered for the top ten. I guess, well, some of them maybe, maybe not so much, but yeah. Um, okay, anything to add uh, about this this top ten list, or should we move on to the G five? Uh, well, let's let's get the G five over with, man. That is a oh, because it's hard so one. difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's. I was really struggling. I spent a lot of time on it. I'm like, oh, I can't, you know. It was difficult. I, so I mean, hard. I wanted to put like 15 guys in the top five. I know. <laughs> yeah, after the first two or three, yeah, I agree with you, Trey. It's like there's like 20 guys 
put their name in a hat and you could you could choose any of them. Uh, but let's look at last year's list. So we did this episode last year and our top five was uh, number five, Bill Clark from UAB. Uh, number four, Jeff Tedford at Fresno State, who, of course, stepped down. Number three, Jeff Munkin at Army, who we all thought would win nine, maybe ten games this year. They went five and eight. Yeah. Uh, number two, Brian Harson at Boise State. And number one, Seth Luttrell of North Texas, yeah. who went four and eight this year. He almost got the K-State job last year. He, they kind of... He should have taken something. <laughs> yeah, he maybe should have because you know that would have been he thought he was going to have a good team this year. What's that? He thought he was going to have a good team. Yeah, coming back fine. Yeah, fine coming back. It we did go not back go see. well. I think their season win total next year is not very high either. So we'll see. But he uh, maybe missed an opportunity to sell high on himself. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's 2019. Let's do 2020. Ryan, who fell fifth on our list? Uh, Ken Niamatololo uh, at Navy. This was, uh, I had him the highest, I guess, I think at fourth. Um, he has only had two losing seasons in his 12 years at Navy. That's, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, he's finished in the top 20 twice in the last five years. And, you know, once they made the move to the AAC, you know, a tough conference, um, they've gone seven and one in that league, three out of his five years. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Um, I know in 2018 it was, they had a really down year. They won like three games. They had some, a lot of injuries and stuff that kind of hurt that season. But, you know, it's hard to maintain the top level. But he's, over the course of his career there, has been unreal. So Yeah, and I mean, like, this past year, they weren't really weren't supposed to be all that great. But yeah. they've had, the quarterbacks was like, what, Malcolm Perry. They've had Keenan Reynolds. Like, he's consistently churning out some some good offenses there. Okay, number four. Trey, this was actually number one on your list. So, yeah, Bill Clark. Now, it was hard to make a case. I could have made a case for number one for a lot of these guys. So the reason I just went with Bill Clark at at number one for me was just because he purely essentially built a program from nothing after UAB kind of went in hibernation for a couple years. Um, But since they've come back, he has won the division twice in Conference USA he has an 11 win and a 9 win season in his last 2 years and he's been to a bowl game the last 3 years. I mean, it's pretty dang impressive what he's done. Yeah, there's there's not much negative you can say. There's also not a lot to compare it to because as yeah. as I can recall, we've never really seen a situation like happened at UAB, so um but it's hard to imagine anyone doing much better than than he's done given the circumstances cuz they were it's not like they were good before right the program went defunct they were he was the coach the first the year before they yeah. before they went away oh, he was, was he for, for one year and yeah it was not a good and they season went, i think i think they went like i think they won like five games or something but oh, okay hmm. yeah i think so but what do you to you know just take a pause for two years i mean a bunch of players had to go elsewhere it's that's i can I totally agree with that being number one i can see the the angle on that okay number three we have Brian Harson, and again, Trey, you were the highest at second. Ryan and I, of course, both had him, I think, in our top five. I may have had him third, uh, but Trey, why did you have him as high as number two? Yeah, I'm, you know, I've said it before. I'm usually not highest on guys that inherit good programs like Harson did, but I'm giving him his due now. He's been there six years. His worst season was nine wins. 
He's won his division in the Mountain West five times. They're consistently ranked. And I'm just, I'm really confident that Boise's going to be good in the near future as long as he's there. Uh, he, his name always kind of gets mentioned for bigger jobs, but it, he just hasn't kind of broken through and gotten one of those or taken one of those. So it, he's obviously respected in the community, coaching community. For sure. Uh, no, no complaints there. Number two, I'm very excited to get to this. And this is uh, definitely a bold ranking here with uh, Billy Napier from Louisiana. He's only been a head coach for two years, but he is just killing it in those two years. So he took over a team 150th in Sagarin. So they were really bad. And by year two this past season, he had them at 11 wins. They finished 43rd. And, you know, so he's killed it on the field, obviously. We've seen that. But what's maybe been more impressive is the recruiting. His last two classes have been two of the best in Sunbelt history. He, He just, right now he seems destined for obviously a power five job. He's He's gotten a lot of interest. Um, I think he's just waiting for the right one. I, he's learned from the best. He coached under Saban. He coached under uh, Dabo. He did. I mean, he's just he knows what he's knows what he's doing. He definitely has the highest ceiling, uh, probably of all these guys. So, and Michael, you know, if he goes, to, if he ends up at South Carolina, we're all we all got to go to a game there. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be great. Um, but I can see why people would say it's it's too much too soon for for Napier, but. It's a futures play. We believe. We believe. Yep. Number one is Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Uh, Ryan, you and I both had him number one, so I'll let you uh, kind of say what you yeah. like about him. I mean, he, he you know he took uh, over a Cincy program that wasn't good. I mean, Tommy Tuberville, they just finished four and eight in his last year. Um, had a one-year rebuild, Luke Fickle did. He went four and eight again in the, that first year. But then the last two years, 11 wins each of the last two years and finishing the top 25 both of those years. And this coming year, they're preseason top 20, maybe top 15 in some places by some people. So they're going to be good this year, um, or they're expected to be. And he's recruiting best in the AAC. I mean, he's it's been pretty much flawless so far. I mean, it would be nice to win an AAC championship, but oh, so close. Yeah. So Cincinnati, they had three four-stars in their 2020 recruiting class. How many did the rest of the group of five have combined? Ryan's holding up a zero. Yeah. So close. It was was one. One four-star, which was actually, uh, do you want to guess which team? Boise. No. Good guess. But Was it? Oh, Trey. Was it in the AAC? Not in the AAC. It's another young up-and-coming coach uh, who I really love. At Charlotte. Will uh, Healy. Oh, oh, wow. Healy, Will yeah. Healy. yeah, that's pretty impressive. He was able to do that. Wow. But uh, but yeah, so Luke Fickle, number one. And let's pull up the list here. If you're watching on YouTube, maybe we're not pulling up the list. I'm having some technical difficulties. Never mind. There it is. No, we see it. Oh, you're seeing it? Okay. I think the viewers are not seeing it, though. Anyway, oh. uh, number six, uh, as far as going through the honorable mentions. So we just gave you the top five. Number six, we had Hugh Freeze on down the list. Frank Solich, Josh Heupel, Troy Calhoun, Will Healy, Jeff Munkin, Tyson Helton, amazing year one at Western Kentucky. Dana Holgerson, probably dropping. Skip Holtz, Blake Anderson. But I just have to list off some even more guys because we've like we've been saying this whole time. There's there's several more guys you could easily have in your top five. Uh, Jim McElwain, Sonny Dykes, Doc Holliday, yeah, Chris Creighton, Lance Leopold. Willie Fritz. Yeah. It was so hard. So hard. It was so hard. 
I mean, it was like, really difficult. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if anyone is going to yell at us and say, how can you not have Willie Fritz in your top five? I'm not even going to argue back. I'm just gonna be like, yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up having Frank Solich drop quite a bit just because I could at least just say he's really old and, you know, he's probably. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's the only thing because. And he you know, hasn't were- done much of the, I mean, he's won like seven, eight games consistently, but he hasn't won the conference or anything. So. He's I know, there. but at Ohio, he's done like consider what Ohio was and he's been there 15 years and they've been bowl eligible 13 of no, those. I, I like it's it's yeah. crazy. I'm just trying to find a reason. <laughs> no, I, I like I wouldn't build a program with him. I agree with you there. And but the other reason he, was he knows dive Nebraska, so I hold a I hold a grudge. Oh, well, Homer. Some Homer. would argue the otherwise. Yeah, there's yeah. a. I mean, town was pretty dry. Yeah, Munkin Munkin's probably the biggest faller just because this past year was really yeah, yeah. disappointing. But just like because, Ken Ken Niamatololo, who had a bad year the year prior. I mean, I could easily see Jeff Munkin having a good year at Army this coming year. Yeah. We That's... definitely, I think, overreacted to Niamatololo's uh, 2018, I think, when we were yeah. making our list. Because he has yeah, a yeah. long enough track record of success. All the service academy, like Troy Calhoun's really good. He's had mm-hmm. sporadically some really good seasons in there. Yeah, he popped He's up always with 11 good. wins this past year, I think. Yeah, They're... they won the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah. Those G5 coaches, I think I put them 5-6-7. Uh, or four, five, six. I think I put them like all right next to each other. What are you saying? In my list. Which G five? Oh, you mean you? Oh, you mean military academy? Yeah. What I say? You, you oh. said G five. You said G five. Oh, oh, by sorry. the way, yeah, I never mentioned. Academies. Obviously, uh, we're using the term G five. We are excluding Notre Dame. Oh, G five and Independence. I'm sorry. We're including Independence here, but we're excluding Notre Dame because they don't really fit the spirit of uh, the yeah. little guy. So yeah. Had to get that in there. And Hugh Free, that's why Hugh Freeze was in it. Exactly. Exactly. At Liberty Independent. Okay. Well, any more comments? Is that it? Have we exhausted coaching discussion? Yeah. I promise next episode will not be about coaches. Hopefully people enjoyed it. I think we really enjoyed it. Um, But if you didn't, then we're done. Don't worry. And remember to uh, let us know your thoughts on Twitter at CFB Bros. And on Instagram at College Football Bros, what you thought of our of our top ten list here and the G five. But again, we're you know it was, it was very difficult. Give us a break. You yes. do it. You do it. Yeah, See exactly. what you're gonna uh, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And we also just released a Patreon episode, so there's some bonus episodes up there for you. If you're if you're interested, you can support us at Patreon.com/slash College Football Bros. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.